Good morning, everyone. Um, we're going to continue on uh, with our look at, at the book of, of Proverbs. Um, we've been uh, working our way through from chapter 1, but we've now reached uh, chapter 5. So it's Proverbs chapter 1. Uh, if you're using the red book, uh, the, the red Bible there, feel free just to lift one. It's page 638. Page 638 in the red Bible. <coughs> so Proverbs chapter 5, and we're going to read the whole chapter uh, together. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words of insight, that you may maintain discretion, and your lips may preserve knowledge. For the lips of an adulterous woman drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought to the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house, lest you lose your honour to others and your dignity to one who is cruel. Lest strangers feed, feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of others. At the end of your life you will groan when your flesh and body are spent. You will say how I hated discipline, how my heart spurned correction. I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. As soon as I was in serious trouble, sorry, and I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Drink water from your own cistern, running water from your own well. Should your springs overflow in the street, your streams of water in the public squares, let them be yours alone, never to be shared with strangers. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, be intoxicated with another man's wife? Why embrace the bosom of a wayward woman? For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sins hold them fast. For their lack of discipline they will die, led astray by their own great folly. Prevention is better than a cure. Have we not been hearing that all week? Prevention's better uh, than a cure. So avoid touching your eyes. Self-isolate if you have to. Clean and disinfect frequently. That's, that's what we've been told all week. Prevention is better than a cure. Heed the advice now. Uh, and it's far better than, than having the symptoms later. Uh, and in a similar way, in what we have just read in Proverbs Five here we find Solomon, who's a dad. He's, he's a loving dad, a loving father, uh, and he's urging his sons to be faithful in their marriage. And when he says that when it comes to adultery, there's danger to be avoided. And he's telling, take steps now. Take steps now to ensure that it doesn't happen because prevention is better uh, than a cure. And Solomon says, to his sons, listen to me, listen to me, consider what I am telling you. And if you do that, you can protect yourself, 
You can protect your friends and you can protect your family. You can protect your church. But most importantly, you can protect your relationship with God from the pain caused by, by sexual sin and by broken marriage. In the context of uh, this, this chapter today, we're going to consider three things. Uh, we're going to uh, look at, at sin in general and in the context of sexual sin and just consider these three things. Be careful because sin is attractive. The second thing we look at is be wise because sin is to be uh, avoided. And the third thing is be warned because sin ensnares. Solomon's speaking specifically to his sons. He's warning them about the dangers of adultery. Exodus 20 verse 14, the seventh commandment. Do not commit adultery. But there's warning here. He's speaking to his son, but there's a warning to everyone. There's warning to both sons and daughters. Just want to take a wee moment just to define what the Bible actually says about adultery, what it actually is. And if you, we were to look a little bit deeper uh, to that uh, today, we would find that the adultery is defined as a, a voluntary sexual relationship between two people who aren't married, including sex before marriage. A legitimate biblical marriage can only be between a couple of the opposite sex, not same sex. And in the light of that, we need to consider what Jesus said. Jesus said, But I say to you that everyone who looks at a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery in his heart. So today's message from Proverbs 5 is for not just the son, but for the married woman also. It's for couples who have been married for a long time. There's a message here for those who struggle maybe with internet porn or, or same-sex attraction, there's really good advice here maybe to bring to a future marriage as well. Adultery is involvement in any relationship that's outside of God's plan for marriage. And Proverbs 5 has something to say to everyone in the room today. As we work through uh, the chapter, we, we'll see a pattern develop. We'll see how, how Solomon teaches. He, he, he invites us to sit up and pay uh, attention to what he's about to say. He will highlight the dangers. He'll highlight the consequences of sin, specifically sexual sin. Solomon will give us good uh, advice to help us defeat sin in our own lives. Let's look at that, that first point there. Verses 1 to 6. If you keep your Bible open, we'll just work our way down. That first point says, sin is attractive. Sin is attractive. And in verse 1 here, we have that invite from, from Solomon to sit up and pay attention. My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Turn your ear to my words. He's just said, pay attention. Listen to what I'm about uh, to say. And, and then he goes on. Have you ever said anything really stupid? Have you ever done that? You ever said something so so silly that you kick yourself afterwards and say, did I, did I actually say that? Why did those words come out of my mouth? I had a, a bit of a, a laugh uh, during the week on, on a website. It was called, called 30 Dumb Quotes Celebrities Would Like You to Forget. 
Here's my favourite. I'll not say who it's by, lest I hear it on the internet and sue us, but, but they said it. They said, smoking kills. If you're killed, you've lost an important part of your life. She should have taken heed to Abraham Lincoln's advice. This is my motto for life. It's better to remain silent and be thought of as a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. Think about that. Better to stay quiet. People think that you're just a thinker rather than speaking and letting them know what you're really like. Solomon's first piece of good advice in in this uh, beginning, or these few verses, we'll talk about about good advice uh, and taking wise counsel in. And of course Solomon himself takes his counsel from God's word. That's where everything uh, is based. If you look at verse 2, it talks about feeding your mind on, on God's wisdom. And if we do that, as a consequence, our words will be seasoned by God's word. Have a look at verse 2. That you may maintain discretion and your lips may preserve knowledge. What goes in will affect what comes out. For you and I, in practical terms, we can listen to the advice of older Christians. We can learn from their mistakes we can develop this godly insight by listening to sermons other sermons than here we can listen to them online we can read good christian books we can listen to good christian music and we of course we can develop our own personal devotional time with the lord just by reading the bible for ourselves what goes in will affect what comes out and if we feed our minds with this christian insight with this wisdom that Solomon talks about then our lips it says will preserve knowledge the things that we say and we speak we develop this godly discretion as we mature in Jesus so with this in mind Solomon goes on and if you look at uh, verse 3 Solomon draws our attention to the words that come from the mouth of this adulterous lady For the lips of the adulterous woman drip honey. And her speech is smoother than oil. The two are linked. Solomon makes a contrast between the words of this adulterous woman. And of the words of the discreet child of God. And this woman makes sin attractive. Sin's attractive. She makes it attractive by what she says. She's wanting to lure this, this young married man in. By her words. Be assured, young person, be assured, older person, sin is uh, attractive. It wants to lure us in and it wants to ensnare, it wants to trap us. Every summer, fishermen descend on Carrick Pier for the mackerel season and to uh, attract these unsuspecting. Fish, the fishermen use brightly coloured lures. You've probably seen them. Brightly coloured feathers or silver and gold bits of vividly painted, sparkly uh, bits of metal that look like little fish. They're called lures. These splashes of, of irresistible 
colour are cast into the, the dull drink grey water of Belfast Lock and they entice the hungry fish to take the bait. But of course what the fish don't know is that at the centre there's a hook. They're drawn to this bright, shiny, irresistible, attractive lure but inside there's a hook. And sin's like that. Sin is attractive. And in the context of today's message sexual sin is very much like that. It's bright and it's shiny and it's attractive especially to the discontented. It draws you in. But it hides the fact that there is a dangerous hook. So it's interesting indeed that this inappropriate behaviour that we see here, this attraction begins with spoken words. That's how it starts. Her speech is smoother than oil. Tempting words to a discontented spouse and it still happens today. She doesn't appreciate you but I do. He's a lucky man to have a wife like you. I would treat you better than that. So words. Maybe there's a boyfriend or a girlfriend and they're pulling you away from the Lord. But your phone pings. You get that little mini hit that little mini dopamine hit uh, and there's those smooth affirming words on the screen and for a fleeting moment you're happy there's affirmation in the words it's attractive Solomon wants us to understand that the sexual sin is very attractive and people try to make it okay they try to rationalize it for them it's not my fault I was born that way it feels good to me. It's just the way God made me. It's just who I am. But Solomon warns us that when it comes to relationships and marriage and sex, that then there's God's way and there's the wrong way. And if that attraction or that relationship isn't within the boundaries of God's plan for marriage, as in the scripture, be warned, be warned, there's a hook. And there's danger. If we look at verses 4 to 6, we'll see Solomon's warning. Danger to be avoided at all costs. Look at verses 4 to 6. But in the end, she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. She gives no thought of the way of life. Her paths wander aimlessly, but she does not know it. Sexual sins attractive. Any sin is attractive. And it draws the unprepared in. It promises excitement. It promises fulfillment. But it only ever delivers pain and heartache and God's judgment. Let's just look at that second thing. We'll just focus on verses 17 uh, to 19. Be wise. Sin needs to be avoided. Has to be uh, avoided. Verse 7, we'll see Solomon's invitation to sit up and to pay attention. Solomon says, Now then, my sons, listen to me. Do not turn aside from what I say. Listen to me. And Solomon straight in with a good advice once he gets the sons' attention. 
Keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Solomon says, put distance between yourself and the source of temptation. Sin's attractive and temptation is strong. But Solomon gives us some great advice here in verse 8. If you have some difficulty in some area of temptation, then we can take Solomon's advice. Put distance between you and that other person. Put distance between yourself and the place where you will be tempted. If you're going to lose a fight, then avoid the fight in the first place, is what Solomon is saying. Now imagine this. Tyson Fury invites me to a fight in Woodville Park tomorrow night at 8 o'clock. Well, that's my point, Jackie. Tomorrow night at 8 o'clock, I can assure you, the last place you will find me is in Woodville Park. I know that I lose that fight, so I'm not going to turn up for the fight. So if it's internet pornography or even gambling, that's your issue, then isn't it wise just to get rid of the device or the computer that will give you access to it? Don't turn up for the fight. Put a, a filter Put software on on that device that will stop you from going there in the first place. That's what Solomon is saying. He's saying keep a path far from the temptation. Don't go near the temptation in the first place. And like Joseph with Potiphar's wife, run a mile. If it's alcohol or drugs, then stay away from the people who want you to drink with them. If you have to change your friend group, then change them. It can be a place, it can be a house, a bar, a club. Stay away, Solomon says, avoid it. And maybe it is an inappropriate relationship as the the relationship here in Proverbs 5. We can organize our day so that paths don't cross. If you need to delete the number from your phone, then delete it. Stay away. Verses 9 to 14 then go on to reveal more consequences. And when the initial frisson of of an adulterous relationship fades, all that's going to be left will be pain and heartache and suffering. Have a look at verse 9. Solomon rules out the consequences. Verse 9. You will lose your honour. You'll lose your honour. When an affair comes to light, that one respected, once respected person has lost lost their respect. You'll lose your honour. The Christian will lose their witness and their testimony in their community. The pastor will lose his job. And who wants to listen to him anymore? He's a hypocrite. Can even lose the respect of her own children. It goes on, verse 10. Lest strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another. Financial loss. Ask the spouse who's lost their house has lost access to children through a divorce court let strangers feast on your wealth and your toil enrich the house of another verses 12 to 14 are tinged with regret the regret of someone who's looking back at the mess that they have made and they have nobody else to blame but themselves look at verse 12 you will say how I hated 
discipline. How my heart spurned correction. I didn't listen. Verse 13, I would not obey my teachers or turn my ear to my instructors. I didn't listen. Then look at verse 14. There's an interesting one. I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. I was soon in serious trouble in the assembly of God's people. Don't underestimate the effect that sin will have on your church. And when this guy finds himself in serious trouble, according to verse 14, it's in the assembly of God's people. Paul warns the church that a little yeast works through the whole batch of dough. Your sin will affect your brothers and sisters in ways that you would not even dream of. Solomon then lifts things a little bit and he brings us back to the good advice because prevention, remember, is better than a cure. Look at verses 15 to 20. It's been pretty negative stuff uh, so far, stuff that not to do, to stay away from. Don't go there. But in verse 15, Solomon begins to highlight something positive, something uh, to do, and good advice for, specifically for the married couple. I've got to ask the question, why would someone leave a sincere and a loving husband or wife? Why would they do that? I'm going to guess if it's been a relatively happy marriage, more than likely it's discontentment. Discontentment. The grass appears greener on the other side of the fence. At different ages, different stages of a marriage of your Marriage things will come along that will encourage those seeds of discontent to grow. And you know that when the honeymoon ended, real life began. Stressful job. Lack of sleep due to the young children. There was illness. Older guys, midlife crisis. There's money problems. There's aging. As his hair falls out. Uh, and his snoring or her snoring uh, gets louder little seeds of discontentment and in verses 15 to 19 Solomon gives the discontented married couple two pieces of great advice that we can take away with us today two pieces of great advice that will help us through those difficult times in our own marriages and marriage uh, in the future Look at verse 15. Drink from your own fountain. Drink from your own fountain. Solomon says, remember that your spouse, your husband or your wife is God's provision to you. So look to your own spouse for that cure for your discontentment, not somebody else's. It may seem attractive, but there's danger and there's a hook. In fact, if you take that route, you're going to end up with more problems than you started out with. With God's help, you can begin to find all that you need with your own husband or wife. The emotional needs, the sexual needs, the need for true and a lasting friendship. And that's what Solomon means here. Drink from your own fountain. second thing is in verse 18. Rejoice in the wife 
of your youth or the husband of your youth. My grandparents were married for 70 years. That blows my mind. As one who will be married 27 years, I think, uh, this year, 70 years just is hard uh, to take in. But God intended, God created marriage for the long term. Remember chapter 3 when we looked at it? Remember we talked about Hesed love, loyal love. That's what God intended marriage for. And in those long years ahead, you will go through many changes. One of the, the, the children this morning pointed out to me that I had a big belly. That's a change that took place. It wasn't there when I first got married. Change will come. And it's easy to let discontentment set in and it's easy to take our husband or our wife for granted. We know that phrase, familiarity breeds contempt. Things may drift a little. Solomon gives us a little chunk of his wisdom here just to help anchor that. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in the husband of your youth. Look back and remember what was it that you first saw in them. The American pastor Ray Ortland said this. Even as the years go by, she will always be the wife of your youth. You will always cherish her and rejoice over her as the dear girl who gave herself completely to you alone. Remember the wife or the husband of your youth. Let's look at that third point there. Um, Verses 21 to 23. Let's look at the last three verses of the passage. Look at verse 21. There's a sobering thought here. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. For your ways are in full view of the Lord, and he examines all your paths. Everything that you've ever done, good or bad, God saw it. Every time you fell short of God's plan for marriage, every time you ignored or I ignored the the instruction of Scripture, every lustful thought, every sinful act, God saw it. And we may need to look for God's forgiveness because there are eternal consequences. Because God is a holy God and he can't tolerate sin. Look at verses 22 and 23. The evil deeds of the wicked ensnare them. The cords of their sin hold them fast. For lack of discipline, they will die, led away by their own great folly. God knows we've failed them. It's no surprise to him. The question is, can we admit it? Maybe you're feeling the challenge of this passage today maybe you even feel like a failure in your own relationships and I understand that perhaps you've had a bad experience of marriage maybe you've been hurt by an unfaithful spouse as we finish let's not forget we all have made mistakes and we're all sexual sinners at some level and what we need to remember Uh, as we finish, is that marriage 
is a picture. It's a picture of Jesus' love for his church. And that marriage has been a difficult one for him. Jesus knows that we've been unfaithful in our relationship to him. But even so, he has been faithful to us. He's been faithful in his relationship to the church. Romans 5 verse 8. You're familiar with it. But God demonstrates his own love towards us. In that we were still sinners. Christ died for us. Maybe you're looking for perfection. Maybe you're looking for a perfect husband. Or a perfect wife. You're looking for one whose love is loyal. Can I point you to Jesus today? He's the only perfect husband. And his bride is the imperfect and unfaithful church. Marriage is a covenant. It's a promise of loyal love. And for all eternity, Jesus sealed the marriage promise between himself and his church with his own blood on the cross. Marriage is important to God. The Bible begins with a marriage and it ends with a marriage. Listen to Revelation 19. There's a vision here of what is still to come. Hallelujah. For the Lord our God, the Almighty, reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. We're all failed sinners. When it comes to a relationship with God, we are the unfaithful partner. But we can make ourselves ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb when we repent and we, we say sorry and we cry out to Jesus to save us. We cry out before a holy God and we can claim Jesus as the sacrificial Lamb who takes our place. Instead, he is our faithful bridegroom it comes to faithfulness in your own marriage remember these points today from Proverbs be careful, be careful sin is attractive, you will be drawn to the wrong thing be wise because sin must be avoided and be warned because sin ensnares and remember this maybe just as you contemplate the words of Proverbs 5 over the common Week that if you're looking for a perfect spouse, there is only one. There is only one. Jesus is the bridegroom who is always faithful, who will never let you down, who gave his own life for his bride, the church. Thank you.